Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And good morning, gardening friends. Looking forward to chatting with you today. And when you call in, your first point of contact is the lovely Bev Daring. And you can call her now, 94841927, researcher and chief garden show chef. John Glidden is also here to assist us, to sort us and to keep us in line. Big shout out to Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton. They kicked off the morning in excellent form again. And Chris returns tomorrow night from 9pm to 12 with the relaxing format Sunday Soiree. Do join if you can. And our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, he wrapped up the breakfast show right now. And Jim turns returns, I should say, at 10am with the classic 70s for you. Faye Akaro, good morning. Good morning, Ray. How are you? I'm good. good. I'm good. Yes, I'm okay. Not 100%, but I'm good. We absolutely missed you last oh, week, but Chris did do a sterling job. He always does. I He's he's certainly great to have as my wingman. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he he, I, he enjoys doing it, of course. And he's, uh, he's lively. I was dri- it's so lively. I was driving here thinking I want some of what he's on. <laughs> he's always like that. He's always up, isn't he? I've he never is. seen him any other way. So, no, so thank you, Chris Bartlett, for filling in for me last week. I was very, very grateful. He, he knows that. Now, it's autumn. I'm loving it. Every This is my favourite time of the year. Everything in the garden just looks, I don't know why. Happier. Better, Yes. Well, the the nights, well, maybe not for sleeping, but you can definitely feel the way the evenings cool down and the mornings are quite brisk. They're lovely. Time to get a layer on. They're lovely. Absolutely beautiful. I was watching people walking their dogs and things when I was driving here this morning and it was just, look, it's just the perfect time of the day. Yeah, so it is. I, I just wish it was autumn all year round. I know not everyone will agree with me, but yeah, of course, we certainly could do with a few downpours of rain, wouldn't that oh. be nice? Just some rain. We've had 1.2 mils. John gave mm. me the gave me the Perth rainfall, and I said, "Oh, do we even bother mentioning that?" You know, just we haven't enough had rain. to move the dust on the leaves. I always say, just <laughs> enough to dirty your car. So okay. Exactly. Now, and a comment from Bev. Thank you from Leone, who rang in last week, who has acquired a shrimp plant from Terry, our listener, who rang last week. Oh, that's lovely, okay. isn't it? I, I used to have a shrimp plant. They're lovely. I When I moved from where I was living, obviously you leave plants in your garden. Mm. Yeah. Now, I get the feeling you want to say something. Well, it's time for us to get another one because I I had one and, well, I was growing it from a cutting, but yeah, I had a malfunction with the sprinklers in the shade house at one point and it was one of the things that... Got missed? Mm. Okay, yeah. No, they are lovely. And actually, I'll tell you where I bought mine at the Perth Garden Festival. And the Perth Garden Festival is coming up in May. I wonder if that's a good place to find them. Absolutely. that's where I bought mine one year. All right, shall we head out to the lines? We're in Bartler. Helene, good morning. 
Hi. How are you? We are good. Good, thanks, Helene. How can we help you? Uh, Yes, I know you you don't love the prickly pears, but I do. Uh, So I've got a big plant, and I was wondering what to feed to have uh, a lot of fruit on it. Generally, the key to getting plants to fruit well and to hold on to their fruit, you're looking for a complete fertiliser that's got potassium in it. Or you could add some potash alone. But keeping your soil healthy is the key to, to having a healthy plant. The potash or the potassium is the key to triggering fruiting and flowering if it's okay. at the right time of year. And full sun is another thing. Another um, aspect to consider. Yes. Okay. Right. I, I haven't had that in the soil, so I'll, I'll just definitely add that as well. Uh, did you know that you can also eat and make jam of the? Yes. The, uh, it, I was just about to say, Helene, are you going to eat it? Yeah. Well, I'm going to eat the fruit. I never ate the blades, but I'm going to try and make a jam of it. Mm. Wow. It's it's beautiful. It's very good. Okay. Yep. Yes. Oh, thanks so much. You're I welcome, Helene. I love your program, oh. eh? Thank you. And thank you for the call. It's it's one that we we haven't covered that one before in that way. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Helene. Okay. Cheers. Okay, bye. Bye. And Let's Talk Gardening is sponsored by Garden in a Bag. Free delivery and a free bag of your product when buying six bags or more. Station sponsor. Okay. We were, it's all right. I'm looking at that and thinking I, I did mention that. Here we go. We're in Thornley. Roberta, good morning. Oh, good morning, girls. I have three quick questions. One, I bought uh, a lavender uh, last year at a garden open and it's like I potted it, I repotted it, put it in a pot, good potting mixture. Done absolutely nothing. Um, two, um, my blue moon rose hasn't done anything either. And the last time it flowered, it wasn't like the uh, the colour that the rose uses, like a nice lilac colour. It came out red, so I don't know if that's the bit that it's been grafted onto. And three, my hibiscus is just getting going a little bit rampant and I is it all right if I can prune that now well yes for the purpose of the exercise yes prune your hibiscus now I've got some that are doing a bit the same and they have to be reined in because they're sort of getting up into the gutters and Mm. they're (laughs) taking over pathways so uh, and I'm only a squirt I'm not that tall (laughs) so I need to (laughs) yes keep it in check so October's the best time to to prune and feed them that will give you bigger flowers but of course at this time of year before it goes into winter if you prune it and and trim a lot of plants now, you will get that growth recovery before it slows down. Mm -hmm. Okay, so back to the lavender. Well, Mm. they do very well with good drainage. So Mm. can you put the lavender in the ground, Roberta? Uh, Well, yes, I can. I can put it in the ground, yes. Okay, Okay. I think that might be your best bet because it's not happy in the pot, not doing anything. And it hasn't done. It hasn't moved one iota. Okay. Not one, well, not one little yet. I would wonder about the potting mix, but anyway, regardless of all that, 
now's a great time to pop that lavender in the ground and you should see it uh, get on and, and flower in autumn before winter. Now, the other thing I would suggest is put a handful of slow release fertilizer in the bottom of the planting hole so when the roots get into that and something designed for flowering plants Uh Uh, with the rose the color can change depending on temperatures Uh slightly is is that in a pot or in the ground that's in a pot Mm. Um, but it was a smaller flower as well, and like it was a red, and usually the blue moon is like a lilac colour. Yes, yes. And quite a, a, a good size. No, it just hasn't done anything at all. Um, and, uh, well, since last year, and last year when it flowered, like I say, it, uh, it was this red flower. So do you think I should um, rip him out of the pot, give him a good little haircut and start again? Well... Possibly. Uh, oh, it's hard. It's a little bit hard to know. You could do that because it sounds like you're a bit impatient and you want to do something with it. And and that way you'll be able to look at the roots, the yeah. same as yeah, the lavender. Yeah. You'll be able to yeah. determine, is it too wet? Is it too dry? Gotcha. Has the potting mix become hydrophobic? Therefore, well. the plants are in a holding pattern and mm-hmm. you want to kick them on. So stimulate their growth with with a liquid food, uh, with a wetting agent, uh, with seaweed, just do something to it and monitor. Oh, much appreciated for all your advice. Thank you very much, and I'll keep on listening, girls. Take care. <laughs> all right, Stay thanks, well. Roberta. Thanks. Lovely to hear from you. Bye. Bye for okay, now. Bye. And Ruth of Port Kennedy has a dwarf lemon. It's 12 months old, and a dwarf mandarin tree, six months old, in the ground. Both have fruit. Should she remove to encourage more leaf growth? I'd say yes, yes. Okay. Uh, a, a plant that is establishing needs yeah. to put its energy into its roots and leaves. And, of course, leaves are like the powerhouse. It's mm. it's the leaf growth that helps feed the plant and helps grow the plant along with the roots. So removing the fruit will allow the plant to establish and do without its thing. doing, yeah, it, it may not be able to survive um, or support fruit growing on it to the size that you want. So, yes, be ruthless, Ruth. Yeah, okay. Ruthless Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Well done. And, of course, the Kalamunda Garden Festival oh. last weekend. Tell me all about it. No. I missed I missed that too. I know. I knew you would just I be was, I was dying. Upset I was very that. upset. Oh, it was huge, Ray. The, yeah, I heard. the traffic up the hill was sort I of heard. slow and the anticipation was building because you want to get there and yeah. you want to get in just the gate. get in there. And yeah. people were happy. Happy, like yeah. even before the show kicked off, like there was a buzz and and the gates just opened and people flooded in and it was it was busy as anything till around two o'clock and then it I think people had done their shopping, done their dash. you know there was yeah. food, there was entertainment, yeah. the number of plant stalls was out of this world, like Stop. hats oh. off to. Andrew and Mandy, the list of speakers and the topics of speakers were very well received. Yeah. Uh, what's not to like? Wow. I, I saw so many people. In fact, I got to meet Nissa. She came up and yeah. introduced herself to me, which was great. 
and she sent us an email saying, thank you so much for my tickets to the Kalamunda Garden Festival. I enjoyed a magnificent day, spending most of the five hours listening to the information sessions presented by our local expert, learned heaps and enjoyed seeing them in person. So she gave her second ticket to a lady waiting in the queue. Isn't, Isn't that great? That Thank you beautiful. for doing that, Nissa. That is mm. just lovely. Yeah. To- so I did I did meet some of our listeners and uh one one lady looked at me and she said, Oh, excuse me, are you Faye from the radio? And I said <laughs> Yes, and she went, oh, I listened to you. Oh, oh, it was it was yeah. really lovely. The yeah. talks were well attended and it was oh just a fabulous day. The weather was beautiful and it's so lovely seeing the, the gardening personalities. Not that I got around much at all. Because mm, you were hosting. I, yeah, so yes, you were. I was in one of the marquees and yeah. I just stayed there. I listened to, to Darren and Trevor, to Johnny the... The Frogman, frog and oh. to Paul West as well. So I had oh. a, I had a great day. Oh goodness! Mm. Talk about FOMO. For those that don't understand, fear of missing out. And oh. I did, I did text you that. <laughs> I know. I, have I FOMO. knew. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing, of course, that you missed out on was the wonderful talk up at Kings Park on Saturday morning as well with Kylie and Jess, and they were full of energy and enthusiasm and information. We went for a wander. And we learned all about birds in the garden, the red-tailed cockatoos, mm. uh, putting out water mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. putting a stick or a branch in the water so that the small birds and, and other insects can actually climb out again. Yeah. Um, so. I must get along to one of the Kings mm. Park workshops, of which they do quite a few throughout the year, so I'll look one up. And get along to it. Oh, it's well worthwhile. And oh, King's yeah. just Park being there just is being looking there. fantastic. And mm. I, there's more, Ray. Bev and I went for lunch afterwards. Of course, you did. Just I know. in the ambiance surroundings of King's Park and the cafe. It, not a better place to have a oh. have a lunch. It mm. would have been absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, very very envious. And that is life. What can I say? Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Now we have a. Two giveaways today, don't we? So we have two $75 gift vouchers. Now, one is from our Bigger Trees Nursery. Uh, and as you know, Carrie supports us each week. But we also have a new prize giver, which is Green Life Soil Co., uh, Linda and Paul Michener, who are very well known in gardening circles, extremely well known. They're going to be giving away each week uh, a $75 gift voucher to go shopping on their premises and uh, so we're going to do one this hour and we'll do one the following hour. Fantastic. You've got one area I think I was thinking about and I thought well Bigger Trees is where you go and buy a plant and at Green Life is where you actually go and look after your soil. So you've got the best of both worlds. Yeah, Absolutely. And I saw Paul and Linda up there. They sat in on my talk in the afternoon. See, fabulous. Yeah, they're gorgeous people. Yeah, They sure are. Now now today our guests Ray yes. are a little bit inspired. Well certainly Angus Stewart has been inspired. Last year Alan from Les Murdy uh, called Bev and said, Could you post a list of plants that thrive on neglect, please? <laughs> and around yeah. the same time this book turned up and it's called Future Proof Your Garden. Yeah. So uh, that that'll cover that topic for Alan. And the other email that we got was from Jess 
in February mm. and she's asked for help. She said, I'm fairly new to natives and some of them are looking straggly. I have no idea how to go about pruning them. So once again, I thought this book and talking to Angus would cover those bases. Those so topics. we're going to talk a bit about the natives. And also I'd like to really focus on kangaroo paws because they they need a bit of attention uh, coming up to this time of year. All right, we'll be talking with Angus Stewart in just a moment. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. We are going to be discussing a fairly recently released book, Future Proof Your Garden by Angus Stewart, author, broadcaster, plant breeder and uh, extraordinary uh, talent all round. Good morning, Angus. You're with Ray and Faye and thank you for waiting. Yep, very good. Good morning, and you're joining us from Tasmania. Tasmania today, Angus. I am indeed. Oh, how lovely. Have you been out in the garden already? I have, yes. It's a beautiful, coolish morning, and uh, but fine weather, and uh, yeah, lovely day to get a bit of energy going in the garden to warm up. What part of Tas are you living in? I'm on the Tasman Peninsula, which is uh, not too far away from Port Arthur. Right. So Beautiful. sort of in between Port Arthur and uh, Hobart on a, uh, a wonderful peninsula where the climate's a bit modified by the um, maritime climate. So it's not, not as cold as you might think. And uh, I grow a lot of West Australian plants here. Uh, they do very well indeed. So that was a factor in my uh, choice. I, yeah. I do love uh, that uh, flora that you guys have over there. Oh, we're we're pretty lucky here, aren't we? And I think more people are catching on, Angus, because uh, for a long time, when people thought about native gardens, they thought of straggly bushes that got past their use by date and were were messy. Whereas now, I think we're seeing more and more plant showcase, particularly in in Kings Park, and the nurseries have come around and. There's more plant breeding going on, which, of course, you're involved with. And the range of kangaroo paws available to us now is outstanding. Yes. Oh, indeed. And uh, I, I actually do a lot of work uh, in cooperation with uh, with Digby Grounds at uh, yes. Kings Park there. And uh, some of the new varieties coming out uh, by way of grevilleas and uh, the uh, wax Flowers and kangaroo paws uh, that the Digby's uh, creating are, are uh, just exceptional plants to to grow uh, over there in Perth and uh, surrounds. So yes, the choices are, are uh, ever increasing, and what we focus on with breeding is uh, obviously spectacular plants, but uh, also try to make them more garden friendly, so less need for pruning. Uh, you know, for a greater range of colours and easier, you know, to grow in terms of uh, things like pests and diseases. So it's a multifaceted thing, but uh, the, yeah, it's an exciting time to be interested in growing native plants. And of course, climate-wise, they're a uh, a really good choice as well. And so, to look after them, one of our listeners, Jess, uh, sent us an email, and she wanted to know about how to look after them when they're getting straggly because she was fairly new to natives. So perhaps you yeah. could give us a, a couple of tips on that. Yes. Look, I divide the paws up into two types. Uh, 
the tall varieties, which are, are based on the uh, Anagazanthus flavidus, the, the tall kangaroo paw with dark greens, the strappy, tall leaves, uh, that's such a um, adaptable garden plant and mm. the hybrids of it. Uh, they come in red, uh, yellow, oranges, uh, and uh, basically after flowering, you can cut them right back to the ground, fertilise them, and you get this beautiful flush of new foliage that then produces the flowers next year. So this is an outstanding time of year to uh, put a bit of effort into your kangaroo paws after they've finished flowering is the perfect time to, to remove not only the old, the old flower stems but also the leaves that uh, produce those flower stems are the uh, thing that tends to go black and look a bit uh, ratty on the plants. So each uh, leaf fan produces one flower stem and when that flower stem is finished take off the leaves that are associated with it as well. Uh, for some of the touchier varieties, like, say, the Manglesia or the red and green, I recommend a bit more care rather than just uh, slashing them to the ground. Uh, it's good, I find, to go in with the secateurs and be a bit more selective and, and keep uh, as much of the fresh new shoots uh, going as you can. But those tall paws... Uh, you know, I attack them with a whippersnipper or the yeah. uh, tractor slasher uh, if it's a big patch and, and just cut them to the ground uh, and they uh, they love it, really. They bounce back beautifully. Well, that's giving me ideas about planting a big patch that I can just mow over. <laughs> Indeed. It, mm. it, well, they just keep uh, expanding in size, The uh, yeah. those tall, long-lived paws and... Uh, it's a great choice for a permanent sort of bed of paws, whereas some of the smaller species, uh, the great leaf types, uh, they're shorter lived in the wild, and so they're they're more like bedding plants. Uh, I find that uh, you can create beautiful displays with them, but they're not going to uh, sort of live for uh, decades like the flavidus types. And will they self seed? Do you think the newer varieties, the greyer leaf foliage? Uh, look, it, it really is case by case. So a lot of the new hybrids are uh, sterile, so they, uh, they're crosses between different species, so they won't mm. self-seed. Um, but if you're growing the straight species like the Manglesia, the red and green kangaroo paw, uh, it, yeah, it can uh, self-seed. It's pollinated by the birds and... Um, yeah, the seed drops to the ground, but it tends to be stimulated by uh, bushfire. So yeah. the, uh, but there are smoke treatments that you can use, uh, which uh, tend to stimulate germination. So mimicking the effect of the fire without actually having the fire, mm. uh, so to speak. So yeah, there's. Uh, it, it really you need to look at it case by case, though, uh, as to uh, how they they regenerate, but. Um, all the kangaroo paws that you can also divide up uh, vegetatively and, and multiply them that way if you've got something you really want to uh, perpetuate. And I guess now's a great time for that being autumn and um, yes, good time yes. for propagating. Well, it's perfect time uh, to, to maintain them generally. And if you've got a big uh, clump that is 
sort of uh, looking a bit ratty. Uh, it, it's uh, also, yeah, division is a great way to reinvigorate the plants mm. as well uh, because they tend to grow out from a, a central rhizome and uh, as they get older, the clump, uh, the, the middle of the clump tends to, to die out a bit. And so if you get a spade and uh, dig out the fresh shoots on the edge of the clump, uh, they're perfect for uh, division. And Angus, when you say fertilise, what sort of products are, are you talking about and why do they need fertilising when they would just normally grow in nature in the wild? Sure. Look, um, what uh, really brings up the displays in the wild is when you, uh, after a fire, mm. um, all the species of pores uh, respond to uh, fire and what you get is uh, a lot of nutrients released in the ash from a fire. So the, the really good displays in the wild come uh, as a result of that extra fertility in the two or three years after a bushfire. So what uh, we do when we fertilise them um, in the garden is is sort of mimic that process of uh, uh, the release of nutrients after a fire. So uh, they, uh, in general, they're not particularly phosphorus sensitive like, say, banksias and uh, grevilleas. So uh, I find, uh, yeah, you can fertilise them with a a fairly wide range of different uh, products uh, but you've got to be careful if you've got banksias and grevilleas growing next to them then it's best to stick to uh, the various native plant fertilizers and uh, I helped to create one called bush tucker in fact uh, because I wanted to uh, make sure I had a a good organic fertilizer that uh, uh, worked across a wide range of of native plants including kangaroo paws. Ah. And is that one okay for the banksias as well? It is, it is indeed. All right, so, so that's yeah, easy. That on, on the whole native garden uh, without, uh, without fear. It's a good go-to. And this book, what inspired you, Future Proof Your Garden? What was the inspiration behind that, Angus? Yes, look, it, um, I actually uh, uh, co-authored the book with my daughter, Emma, who is in her early 30s, and uh, we were talking about is the challenges of gardening with the sort of climatic extremes and weather extremes that uh, we are experiencing uh, more and more. So with climate change, uh, that's something that we felt, uh, let's put a book out to talk about uh, things that people can do to uh, not only kind of adapt their garden to these uh, greater extremes, uh, but also, you know, what can you do at an individual level in the garden yeah. to uh, make your garden uh, more environmentally friendly? So, for instance, uh, uh, we talk about the use of uh, charcoal, uh, also sometimes uh, called biochar, yeah. which is a great way to improve your soil. And I'm seeing more and more products on the market in that regard that, it's uh, the black stuff that, uh, you know, when you burn a log, uh, if it burns right through to ash, it's just a little pile of grey. Uh, but the, the black charcoal that, uh, is a form of carbon that uh, um, gardeners and 
farmers have been using for thousands of years to improve soil. It, it uh, stays in the soil for uh, hundreds of years and improves the water and nutrient holding capacity. And, and also it provides a site where microbial activity can happen. So if you're into organic gardening and uh, encouraging all that microbial activity, then uh, biochar is uh, just a fantastic way to achieve uh, the goal of improving your soil and getting better plant growth, but it's also actually building up the carbon levels in your soil on a uh, sort of a 100-year-plus basis. And, you know, we need to get as much uh, carbon uh, out of the atmosphere and into the soil. So we explore, you know, issues like that. Uh, It it is, yeah, literally future-proofing your garden to to do something about the experiences that uh, we're all having, whether it be drought or flood or uh, Mm. the other weather extremes. Your your book has got a plethora of amazing plants, natives and exotics. Great photographs, uh, yeah. That people can use in their gardens to, well, yep. to do very well on low water use. We're, we're up to about 14 weeks of not no, no rain. We've had 1.2 1. 1. mils 2 mil. yeah. in that time. So yes. have, is, having mm. gardens created that actually survive through those conditions is going to be something we need to look at for the future. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and this is where uh, Digby's work with the plant breeding is, you know, creating a whole range of, uh, of native plants that are uh, not only adaptable to, to dry conditions, but uh, also are going to, to look as good as possible as well. So the yeah the plant directory uh, Emma and I collaborated on that but that she's a real plant uh, person and so uh, that that was her baby uh, really and uh, mm. so she she uh, put a lot of effort into as you say both native and exotic uh, species and uh, not just ones that will tolerate dry conditions but also uh, you know on the on the east uh, eastern side of Australia it's been way too much water exactly the last few years mm-hmm. so you've got things like melaleucas and calistamins and leptosperms uh, you know there's various uh, australian plants that that can sort of tolerate both extremes so we we concentrated on those sort of bomb proof plants that that you can uh, rely on to get through the uh, yeah extremes at, at either end of the uh, the water spectrum, and I might add too that uh, uh, my website Gardening with Angus has an extensive uh, plant database. So if uh, people want to uh, also seek out information on the website, uh, we've got uh, a lot of information on there as well. Well, certainly that that's all great information, Angus. And I've been to your website, so I can second that. Are you coming over to Western Australia this year? <laughs> well, I'm hoping to, but uh, I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm talking to various people over there, and uh, nothing uh, nothing concrete as yet. But uh, I'll uh, keep you posted there. That would be wonderful. And what's what's a typical day in the life of Angus Stewart, or is there any no? It's not a typical day. Yeah, look, I've, I've um, much more on the uh, bought a farm here mm. in Tasmania, uh, forty acres, 
and uh, I my uh, passion is planting an, an arboretum of uh, species of native species, and so uh, in particular, yeah, I've planted several thousand uh, trees and shrubs so far, and uh, obviously a big garden area. Uh, but uh, I'm uh, at the moment I'm busy mulching. Uh, so I've got a whole lot of hay cut on the place uh, and I'm uh, putting that down as mulch. So a typical day is uh, yeah, getting out on the farm and doing all those seasonal jobs. But uh, coming up to autumn, it's, uh, I've got a, a whole lot of uh, beautiful Western Australian plants I want to get in, uh, particularly in the, the eucalyptus and uh, melaleucas, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, bifortias, all, all that sort of stuff to... Uh, See what's going to uh, yeah grow here and, and thrive. So uh, it's very much focused on uh, uh, well, also on on the the various uh, aspects of the book as well. So I'm experimenting a lot uh, and trialling different waterwise uh, methods of gardening. So in the book, we uh, have an extensive section on uh, wicking beds, for instance, and. Uh, you know, using a uh, lot less water because I'm on uh, rain rainwater here, and uh, I've got one dam. But uh, water is is uh, a precious resource, as it is in uh, uh, in Western Australia. So, uh, doing more with less water is is a, a major focus. So, whether it's adding biochar to the soil or uh, trialling out the latest wicking beds uh, that's all in the book as uh, yeah, stuff that I'm trialling here on the farm as well. on an ongoing yeah. basis and I, mm. I put a lot of uh, effort too into uh, putting that onto uh, the website and social media as well so uh, there's uh, it's a lot of a lot of fun very satisfying growing yes. things uh, as we all know uh, but I just uh, yeah passionate about uh, sort of bringing that to people to uh, give them some ideas they can apply in their own gardens. We appreciate that very much. So that's gardeningwithangus.com.au. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your tips with us today, Angus. It's been a pleasure talking to you and a joy to look at the book. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to to talk to people. And, uh, yeah, I, I... Generally get over to, to uh, Perth at least once a year, so uh, hopefully I'll be uh, be over there in spring again to uh, yeah be part of the, the wonderful uh, gardening scene over there. Well, we'd so love thanks, to thanks catch up if you've got time. Good on you. Thanks, Alrighty. Angus. Thank you, you very much. Bye. Cheers for now. Cheers. And that was Angus Stewart, author, broadcaster, plant breeder, as you just heard, fabulous book Future Proof Your Garden and his website uh, just absolute plethora of information on that website gardeningwithangus.com.au You're with Ray and Faye this is Let's Talk Gardening we're going straight out to the lines to a very patient Ron good morning Ron and thanks for waiting Yes uh, good morning Ray and Faye Um, just a quick question Avocado, uh, it's not a miniature uh, one. It's uh, it's growing quite. It's only, it's only got fruit for the first time this year, but I want, I want to prune it uh, because I can see it's going to be a monster. Yes. In, uh, where I'm living, Kent, 
I've been told by someone that you can't prune them. Oh, no, you can definitely prune them. And really, um, avocados will go quite large, roughly six metres. So you need to. But the best time to do that is going to be when you've taken the fruit off, so after fruiting. Okay. Are the fruits... And just... uh... Uh, well just uh, and um, just what snip the top off the top you, you can cut the middle out of it uh, just so that you have a nice tidy shape yep okay and you can also just uh, take a meter or so off the top straight across you can yes yep okay. I, I've seen it done before and the pl- plant will shoot out and you'll get a bushier lower plant you want to stop that leader from heading for the sky yes for sure and uh this is the first year it's had fruit and it's got probably three dozen or something they're pretty good at hiding amongst the leaves but Mm. i'm wondering i'm also told that uh they won't kind of ripen until you pick them i don't know when to pick them (laughs) uh they will plump up and yeah. when they've got a when they arrive at a good size, so what size are they now? They'd be about the size of the, not quite as big as a pear, I suppose you could. Um, they would be size of a uh, just an apple, <laughs> like. Okay, so you've because you've got three dozen. I would say, uh, if you're happy with the size, pick one and put it in a bowl of fruit with a banana. Leave it a few days and then try it. Uh, You and when you hold it, it should just give a little bit. That's when you can tell it's ripe. So. And so just pick one as you need them and, you know... Well, you can, but you could also pick them because you want to prune your tree. If you pick them, wrap them in newspaper, put them in the cupboard, that will keep them for quite a while. I tell you what, three dozen wouldn't last long amongst our family. (laughs) No, no, that's right. And... uh... Uh, I haven't had any problem with the rats yet, but I believe they'll uh, attack anything Mm. as well. And that's another good reason for getting them off the tree. Yes, okay. Okay. Uh, Rain Faye, thank you very much for that information, and uh, I'll uh, go and get stuck into that. All right. Happy gardening, Ron. Take care. Enjoy. Fantastic. Okay, cheers. Uh, okay, now we, I know we've got a couple of emails to do and I'm also shortly going to be giving away our first $75 gift voucher from Green Life Soil and Co. Soil Co. I always add the and in, I don't know why. Green Life Soil Co. <laughs> Ray, this makes me smile because I have a little story. But this email comes I can do with a from, smile. From, oh, well, yeah, it comes from Vicky. She says, love listening to your program, a constant source of in- information and inspiration. Just wondering if you have any tips to encourage flowering on cannas. I have several large pots of different species but get very few flowers. Mm. So uh, cannas are fantastic. These that she sent the photos in of are quite tightly packed in pots, which is not a problem in itself. Uh, Prune away any that have finished flowering. You could potentially put them into a bigger pot But if you didn't want to do that, you can put them into a bigger tub of water. And I have four cannas 
sitting in pots in the tub of water I outside love it. my shade house. I love it. So I was cleaning up a little bit and I had a a near empty tub of strike back fertilizer. So I went over to my pots to give them all a little tickle. I did the Noreens and I went to put reach into the tub to put some fertilizer. And there was a critter in there. No, there wasn't. It's next to my compost bay, which is the size of a, a sheet of tin yeah, by four. Yeah, yeah. And it's full. Like it's got all my prunings. It's got broken down lawn clippings. And I just put a carpet that was dumped on the road on mm, top of the compost. Mm, mm. Anyway, I just became aware that there was something moving across the top of the compost bay. Yeah. And I looked up and there was a snake and I said a few words yeah. and I stepped back. And so it's a reminder that uh, the reptiles are on the move. The other funny thing about that, because the other email that I wanted to talk about was from Ruth. And last weekend there was geckos drowning in a pool. So one thing that we need to remember, we need to put bowls of water out or sources yeah, of water yeah, out yeah. for our wildlife, for our reptiles, for mm -hmm, lizards, etc. Mm -hmm. Always put a stick or a log in there so they mm. can get out. You need to do the same with the pool. So in the morning, the the flock of white-tailed cockies had come in. And so I'd stood there photographing and, and filming them. And I thought, oh, I need to put out more water. So I filled up the big bird baths, but I put down two big sources on the ground. Anyway... Um, I thought that was a great idea. Later on, I saw this snake. So I, every stick then looked like a snake. So I started raking yeah, up the leaves. Yeah. So off I wandered and I came back. And there in one of the piles of leaves, like 10 minutes later, was the snake back again. What sort of snake? A dew guy. And it How was big? about a metre. Mm. I've got videos and I've got photos. Mm. I stayed back a safe distance. It mm. was very chilled. It wasn't moving fast. Mm. It was moving all. It went through all my pots. It was just area. happy to hang out there. Yeah, all the area mm. that I've been working in. I've been in and out of the shade houses the last weeks and always thinking, oh, you know, better be careful. I'm always aware. But it it went through all my pots. It went through the back of the shade house and it went out to the bush. Mm. It's like, oh, that's good. But then it came back oh. because of this pile of leaves and possibly these two big sources of water. Yes. So, yeah, so they are attracted to water. Mm. Snakes, that they come in. Well, the reason they're attracted to water is because of the other animals that go to the water to uh, to drink. They know well, that that's a food source. But because we haven't had rain, yeah. so we've got the cockies coming in for the water mm, morning yeah, and night yeah. um, and also because the banksias are flowering. Mm. But snakes also, well, I know the ones that we've kept in the house, they need a bowl of water to slough in. So that helps when they're shedding their skin. Yeah. But back to Vicky, um, you can give them a fertiliser, the canners, with a flowering and fruiting fertiliser, whether it's a slow release, mm. so the little um, prills that you get in a tub, yeah. or you could give them a liquid like Thrive or something like that, and you could even put that in the water. So yeah, putting could. them in a trough of water means they're not starved for water, and they love full sun. Mm. So... Here they look like they're on a patio. I'm not sure. They're very leafy and lush. So something with potash in it. Give them a push along. Mm. Okay. So there you All go. All right. Now we do have to have a short break, but when we return, 
Kingsley, you are next. We're going to be chatting with you about Lipia, I promise. Curtain Radio. And we've been joined in the studio by our guest this morning, Andrea Whiteley. Garden consultant extraordinaire. How are you, young lady? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, I'm recovering from my hand surgery. I can see that. You've been in the wars. <laughs> yes, All right. I we All shall re- we shall return to you. All right, here we are. Kingsley, good morning. Yes, good morning. We're all here. Go ahead. Thank you for waiting, okay. Kingsley. You've right. been very okay, patient. No um, yeah, instead of um, lawn and, and our front uh, yard area, I've got our whole area is um, covered with lipia, the ground cover, um, and we just find it's uh, generally it's been easy to look after. We've had it down for years. It doesn't take too much to, to maintain, but I do have <clears throat> two little areas where where the ground leaves the level area and just starts to slope down towards the road a bit. Those areas there, for some reason, don't, don't seem to be taken off as well as the other areas. Um, and I'm just wondering, I think it is a native, I think it's a native, that Libya, and I've tried doing the wetter soil and I've dug out some of the soil and replenished it, topped it up with a bit of uh, compost. Uh, to try and get it going. So I'm just in that process of doing that. But I'm just wondering, is it is it something that um, is common with, with, with Lipia, that it sort of dies off every now and then? Well, I just wonder if it's sort of run out of, um, yeah, good soil to grow into and or if on the edges where it, if it is sloping away a bit, yeah, that it's running off. So using a wetting agent could potentially yeah. help. Yeah. And is it more compacted there on the the edge? Um, no, no, I've, I've sort of gone around and dug it out. And, and because it isn't as healthy as the other areas, you, you tend to get a little bit of weed in there. So every so often I have to go in there with a, you know, just a hand fork thing and just dig out the weed so that, that doesn't take over. Um, but is there a, a, um, a fertiliser that you could use that might help or not? Well, Something, um, probably a palletised chicken manure or something along those lines. Is it near a curb? So could it be reflective heat? Um, yeah, well, there is like a pea gravel sort of a path that, that separates it, the front yard in half. Um, but I think I think myself, part of the problem is probably less murdy. I mean, there's probably only about eight inches of soil and you're going to have rock, you know. Mm. Throughout throughout the area, so maybe that there's heat coming back up off off there. But yeah, it does come down to like to like a rock feature sort of wall, like like just flat. But, so it um, might be the heat. It might be quite shallow, like you're saying, in yeah. that area, and that's why it it's not growing as well there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to one of the nurseries and they said, yeah, look, dig out some of the soil because it is very sandy. I took a soil sample to them and they checked the pH and they felt that was okay. It wasn't a pH problem. Um, so, yeah, just replenish, just, just mix in some um, compost and... Yep. Or even to, to uh, give it... Sole, I think, was mentioned as well. Yep, that sounds like a good idea. The other thing that you can do so that it, it looks tidy is you could make an, a nice, neat edge between the gravel and the lipia and put a little row of mulch in there yeah yeah gotcha that that would make it tidy that would change the soil and over time it may be happier to grow into that mulch or you could even put in some small um stepping stones in the spaces where it won't grow 
put some yep. um, you sort of misshapen bluestone stepping stones, that could look really nice too. Yeah. Because if it's right. never going to grow there, mm. you might be better off just to put, say, three interesting stepping stones. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of doing what they said to do, you know, with putting mixing up some more compost. I dug, I dug some of the soil that was in there, and it was very sandy, there's no doubt about that. But they like that so, they like a sandy sort of like well drained, so it should mm, be right. it, it should come good if you do all of those things for sure. I think so. Alrighty. Okay, thank you very much for your help. Let us thank know you. how you get on, Kingsley. Okay. Okay, no worries, thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, I'm going to give away a seventy five dollar gift voucher from Green Life Soil and Co. Now, what can we say about Green Life Girls? Uh, organic. Very green. State of the art. <clears throat> um, professional. Lovely family business. Great West Australian family yeah. business. Delivering a greener garden is their motto. You can get anything at uh, Green Life Soil Courts from tools and gadgets to native fish for your ponds, worm farms. Seeds and seedlings, natural pest control solutions, and all the supplies and amendments you will ever need. All in one place. Mulches and manures, compost, fertilisers, minerals, sand remedies, and soil conditioners, and oh so much more at Green Life Soil Co. Okay, compliments of Linda and Paul Michener, and they're located out there on Wilson Road in Middle Swan. Now, we will be sending you this voucher. You must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. We need the third caller through and it's just simply a true or false and you need to give Bev a call on 94841927. The question is, is a pineapple actually a berry? Is a pineapple actually a berry? True or false? Third caller through to Bev and the voucher is on its way to you this week. Go to it. Okay, nine o'clock news. Sunny and 31 today, sitting on 23.4 degrees right now, and the humidity is at 51%. You can expect the minimum overnight to be quite a warm 18, sunny tomorrow, maximum of 31. And going from Sunday into Monday, the minimum overnight 17, mostly sunny on Monday, and the maximum of 29. So a nice autumn week coming up for us with 29s and 28s. Very, very pleasant gardening weather indeed. Now we do have a winner for the Green Life Soil Co. $75 gift voucher. Denise from Gosnells. Good on you, Denise. And the question was, is a pineapple actually a berry? Now I've been told off for saying true or false by John. (laughs) The answer is yes or no. Uh, So the answer is yes or true. A pineapple is a berry. It's a fruit consisting of many berries that have grown together. The pineapple is not a single fruit, but a group of berries that have fused together. There is your answer. So thank you very much, Linda and Paul Michener from Green Life Soil Co. $75 gift voucher. Denise, let us know what you grab for that. Go shopping. We like to live through our listeners. Okay. You can grow a pineapple in Perth. It'll just take about... Two years. Two years is Mine took four, but in January, I harvested in winter and it was the sweetest pineapple. Probably because you've given it so much love. And how much, how long did it take? Four years to fruit. I'm (laughs) not complaining. I mean, it was the top of a pineapple that I bought from the local green grocers. And you whacked it in the ground. So, Mm. produce from scraps. Yeah, except how much water did it 
how much did it cost you in water? No, I, yeah, it's oh. just everything. Water's a whole other subject <laughs> yeah. at our place, Andrea. Yeah. I know, I know. So, so what have you been up to? Uh, I've been um, fixing my own garden yeah. because <laughs> somebody um, suggested that I should uh, provide a venue for a garden club to come and visit. Oh, what? When <laughs> When are you being hit up? Um, next week. Oh, so I'm okay. in a complete yeah. uh, tizzy about the garden and had the arborist in yesterday trimming and trimming and trimming and making a mandarin tree look perfect. Oh, gosh, Andy, <laughs> no one the expects fruit. you to <laughs> See go the to pressure that much you to apply to people. I know, and March of all things. So yeah. Andrea's worked her way through the, the hot weeks of summer. Yes, to be a hand with a damaged hand. Yes, but I'm all good now, hopefully. Uh, I've been gardening with a glove on, which is kind of weird for me. I don't really yeah, like gardening I, with a glove on. I don't either. And true to form, she's recently planted up the infamous thriller <laughs> Spiller and filler combination. I have indeed. Yeah. What did so you do? I wrote a blog um, last week. I, I bought some beautiful new urns that I'd had my eye on for quite some time. Ooh. So they now grace our front entrance because one of the old ones broke. The bottom yeah. of it broke off. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can't just have one urn at the front no, door. No, you cannot. So I had to go and get two new ones. So um, <laughs> I looked and looked and looked around the whole of Perth. Finally found two that I quite liked. And um, so this oh, last Saturday, my daughter helped me to pot them up. So they, they look gorgeous. I'm very happy with What's them. What's in them? Uh, so there's a quarter line. That's the thriller. Yes. What there, colour? It's pink. Yes. Because yes. my house is grey and white. So it's going to give that a so, real Yes, lift. it's got yeah. that pink splash. But it's um, it's uh, electric pink quarter mm -hmm. line. I know that one. So mm -hmm. it's lovely and bright. And once it gets too big, it'll be out. It, it'll be goodbye, Charlie, for that one, mm -hmm. and it'll find a home somewhere else. Yeah, um, in probably in someone else's garden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, there's no room for it in my. And uh, then I put some beautiful dark, almost brown, um, heuchera. Yes, mm, in yes. one side um, for the really for the shape of the foliage. Mm -hmm. Not, I don't really want them to bloom. I'll probably pick the flowers out. Cause yeah, I you just, just it's the just foliage. the foliage. Mm. And on the other side, I've got some uh, maidenhair ferns, which are just I love them. Mm, I do. And too. another little fern at the front, which is variegated. That's my spiller. The other two are the fillers. Mm. Um, and the spiller is another fern that comes out at the front, and that's called albo. And I planted it because, I chose it, because it was the Prime Minister's 60th birthday. Right. So I thought, there's a little fan called Albo and he's going to be in my garden oh. for his 60th birthday. That's very <laughs> nice of you. It's more because than I would have know, done. <laughs> I'm all about the meaning of plants. So yeah. if, you know, something has a little bit of meaning, that yeah, then I'd do that. Yeah. yeah. Very, very nice. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Uh, we're in Middleswan. Have you got this email? No, I haven't yet. Okay, all right. Well, we'll just wait until we can. John will uh, zip in with the email. He's just printing it out for Maria of Middleswan. Do you want to crack on with another email? Oh, this one is another one that makes me smile. This is coming from Dorothy, and she's sent in a picture of her mulch close up. And on the mm. mulch, there is a little yellow creeping organism which we know as slime mould. Dog slime mould. Dog vomit fungus, in <laughs> fact, because it does look a little bit like that. So this is not something bad, Dorothy. This is something very natural. Uh, it it 
often gets seen uh, when the rains come. We see a lot of activity when the wood becomes moist, totally rotting down, and and slime molds just creep. They start. Oh, and I love watching them because they actually, if you um, you look at them in the afternoon, then you wake up the next morning, they could have actually moved. They it's do. It's very move. exciting. Um, so having them in the garden is quite interesting. Well, do you know they did a a study on the uh, what's the name of the system in Japan, the transport system, the tube, the oh, network, yeah, 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 and yeah. slime mold actually created the fastest route that looked almost it almost oh, that's mimicked fantastic. it. Wow. So yeah, they're yeah. very they're very clever. The other thing about how it changes is it goes through stages. And after it develops, the fruiting bodies are identified by the skeleton that they leave behind. So if you've got a microscope or magnifying glass, you'll actually see how how they transform into mm. all these tiny little fruiting bodies. And the colour changes too. So mm. it's very lovely to have that in. The, it means you've got a great healthy garden. Yeah. As well. So embrace the dog vomit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. Well, and, and as we get some more rain, which hopefully, mm, I don't know, is there rain on the radar anywhere? Uh, not in the next oh. week, I don't think. But the air is yeah. damp now in the morning. Have you noticed that? It is. There it's is cool dew. and damp. Mm. There's a little bit of dew. It's really the rains, though, that contribute a little bit more so to the the Absolutely. fungi and the slime molds erupting yes. in gardens, but we do see the the plant plant parasols, plant pot dapplings that pop up in people's garden. That's mm. another little yellow fungus. Okay, ready to go to Maria Ray. All right, Maria, are you there? We've got your email. Oh, good. Yes. Hi. <clears throat> yeah, my son found this plant up. He was in the Antis last weekend, and he said he sent me the picture, and I says, "Well, I'm not that." You know, I'm not. It looks like a. Um, to me, it looks like a banksia of some sort. I'd say banksia. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but you don't know what sort of banksia that would be. Just I, I can't tell uh, from this photo. No, it, it won't be hard to know once it flowers, though. Whereabouts is it growing? Uh, up in Savannah, along the beach, along the coast. Ah, okay. Wow, how yeah. exciting. Mm. It's beautiful, isn't it? It well, it is, and the new growth looks lovely. It's it's furry and it's orangey red, and yeah. uh, so it's probably getting up towards flowering. So keep a look out for the buds. Um, mm. Yeah, the the new growth looks like fireworks emerging. Yeah, lovely. Do you think I could, if I go to um, Xantheria's nursery, they might have? If I show them the picture, they might be able to help me. They, they may be able to. Uh, the other thing that you could do, there are apps that will determine plants. So you may get, uh, because of the leaf and the new growth, you may be able to get a couple of suggestions about which banksia it is. The fact that it's growing near Cervantes will also tell us a bit more. Like if we did some research, it may be one of the local native species there. So a oh, specialist... Okay. Someone from the Wildflower Society might oh, be able Kings to Park, tell you. Friends of Kings yeah. Park. Yep. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll send it to Sue. <laughs> yeah. With, with more time, we could probably get you an answer. Oh, great. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for your call, Maria. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers. 
And we do have free lines 94841927 and a special guest in the studio, Andrea Whiteley, has joined us as well. Now, we were going to talk about Easter inspiration. Isn't it scary that Easter is just around the corner? Not far away now. Those hot cross buns have been in since Boxing Day. <laughs> Boxing Day, I know. See, I personally find that appalling, but, you know. Yeah. Never the commercial mind. aspect to it all just yes, does my head in. Well, I love mm. this time of the year because it, oh. the lovely, warm, sunny days make you want to get outside and then the, the balmy nights it's and cool mornings. It's just heaven. Yeah, I, I think know. it's just lovely. And the uh, magpies have been out warbling. And they certainly are. It just are. knows that time of the mm. year, that lovely mm. seasonal change. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but my roses are about to have a another flush. spring flush. Yeah. Uh, well, an autumn, autumn flush. flush. Yeah, uh, I should say. And um, yeah, they're looking very healthy. They um, not not many flowers because over the summer did have a tiny, tiny bit of chilli thrip, not yeah, me, a lot. me too. Um, because I did exactly what my dear old friend uh, Bob suggested this year, and that's keeping the ground moist and, mm. and a little bit damp, just sort of interrupting that environment mm. for the roses, and that really did Helps work. A it lot. definitely, mm. definitely worked. Mm. Um, so, and I haven't really sprayed them, so I've just... Mm. Uh, and they haven't had a lot of damaged shoots, so but just no flowers. Mm. So it's a bit disappointing, but some of them are spot flowered, so that's kept me going for a bit. Um, but now I've got this lovely autumn growth. It could be the feeding that's been going on, but let's just put I bet that. you've <laughs> been feeding and <laughs> just hand watering. Because yeah. what can you do with the... Dodgy thumb. Well, yeah, you just put a glove on and keep going. Mm. <laughs> keep changing the bandage. Oh, good <laughs> Or you do things with your left hand, Faye. You learn to adapt, just oh. like a plant, really. I bet your your garden's looking stunning, Well, Andrea. it's No, I don't know. I, I'm always quite critical of my own garden. We always just, are, yeah. of our own. But it's coming along. It's it's looking quite pretty and um, hopefully uh, people will enjoy it when they come and have a look. Oh, of course they will. <laughs> And and what have you been doing to maintain it, or just kind of keep on top of it? So lots of um, lots of trimming. Now that it's a bit cooler, it's a great time to do some trimming. Like um, you will have experienced quite a lot of summer growth. Got a lot. Lots of the salvias mm. and things like that yeah. have really had this big um, shoot on in in recent weeks. They have. Weeks. They've really banged on the green. Exactly. Mm. And I think mm. it's because the weather's a bit cooler. They're thinking, yay, I can grow now without being burnt. To by frizzle. the sun, yes. Mm. So um, I've been trimming them back, just sort of, you know, just tidying up a little yeah. bit and a few transplants have happened and a few new plants have gone in maybe mm. and, um, you know, just tizzing up a bit here and there. And it's also a great time to top up your mulch at this time of the year. Mm. Um, it just, uh, for a lot of plants, they actually quite like to have a little bit of a blanket in the winter, some of the sensitive, mm. um, some of the sensitive plants, they like a bit of blanket. So a lot of straw mulch has gone down as well, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so that's lots of fertilizer, and it's a good time to get out there and do some fertilizing. Mature compost, of course, Love which that is my stuff. best friend. Yeah, and my odor cologne. Yeah. the garden. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, just sort of trimming and trying to keep everyone alive and happy. Exactly. So are you using liquids or granules? I've been using a combination of, of two, um, but I've been doing a, a lot of liquid because I want uh, a lot of good, healthy growth, mm. rapid, healthy growth. And also that's the other thing that Bob did recommend last time we spoke um, was 
keeping the cell walls open of the plant uh, by using uh, lots of um, liquid fertilisers and, and fish solutions, seaweed solutions, to keep the cell walls open and active. Um, and that seems to really help with the chilli thrip as well. Mm. So that I've been doing that and that definitely has been working too. Um, and, uh, yeah, so a combination of everything really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's yeah, well, you've fed. been doing a lot. So what can you share with our listeners going forward for Easter? What do you think so should I go we, a be, bit nuts we need to be Easter. thinking about yeah, now? Yeah, absolutely. So mm. I go a bit nutsy because I also like to entertain at Easter. You are an entertainer. Yeah. <laughs> I see your photographs on Facebook. And so, yeah, we amazing. like to have people over and, um, you know, share outside because it's, the evenings are so beautiful. beautiful. And we haven't got that howling wind that we've had. In Florida, we get a really howling We're wind. We're on the coast. Oh, it's mm. just uh, treacherous for the garden. So um, it's nice because it's there's no wind and my Seastrom Nocturnum has been blooming. Oh, my goodness. So the fragrance from that has been beautiful. That's the night jasmine. Yeah. So um, that is very lovely to share with friends and family at this time of the year. So, um, yeah, so what I do is I, I do decorate a little bit at Easter time. So what do you decorate with? So I there's uh, rabbits oh, that come out okay. and... Uh, I treat it a bit like Christmas, really. Yeah. And there might be Easter eggs hanging from some trees. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You've got and... too much time on your hands. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm so <laughs> Yeah, so, so, yeah. But, no, I, I like off. that because, um, you know, I like people to feel excited about this time of the year and the season. And so whenever people come over, the tables are all decorated with Easter nicks and knacks and, um, you know, blooms that make me happy and yeah. vases and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's a good time to go. And I mean, the shops are filled with beautiful, cute things to decorate your garden. And even though it's not spring like in the Northern Hemisphere, mm. well, we can have a few bunnies around the place. We've got more Decorative than a few bunnies, bunnies around our place. <laughs> no, I want bunnies that Faye, Faye wants to take after hers mm. with No, some gun. straw mm. bunnies mm. or some, <laughs> yeah, okay. some decorative bunnies are okay. Chocolate bunnies. Um, yeah, maybe some chocolate bunnies as well. As well. Oh, oh, right. Sounds lovely, Andrea. All right, let's head to Beachborough. Jenny, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hello, we are Jenny. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, first of all, for the um, uh, winning tickets for the garden show last week. It was absolutely wonderful. Oh, that's so, good. Glad good you to hear. Enjoyed. Thanks. Yeah. Um, we have a grevillea. Uh, it's sort of matured. It's been in for a, a couple of years and it's had beautiful flowers. Um, can they transplant and what do we have to, if they, it, I can transplant it, what do I have to do? Uh, I'd to, say um, no. I'd say a hard oh. no. I, I would generally say no, but I I did do it once and I still have that that Grevillea shrub. It survived. It's really so, hard though. Let's well, be, let's be it realistic. Wasn't, it wasn't that old. So if it's small and it's only two years old, then you have a chance. And if you have to do it, Jenny, you have to do it. So it's worth a try. So... If you have when to, is the best time? when is the best time? Well, autumn. Yeah, now. autumn is probably the best time. And I, I did it with the good old seaweed tonic. Yeah, so I would definitely do that. So if you get a one of those flexi buckets, they're quite big. You can buy yeah, them at any yeah. of the Love the uh, de- yeah. any of the uh, big box stores, and um, you fill it up with water and a seaweed tonic. 
um, I would put a, probably four capfuls into a full bucket and you dig that grevillea out, try and get as much of the root mass as you can. And remember, whatever you take from the roots, you need to also give it a little trim at the top and dunk it into the seaweed solution which will reduce the transplant stress on that grevillea for you and then put it into a well-prepared hole but not with too much fertiliser. So wherever you're going to put it, make sure that it hasn't got too much fertiliser. Um, maybe some nice, gentle, mature compost in the hole, lots of water and um, then pop it into the hole, backfill it and then just let it be. Don't water it. Um, what do you think about that, Faith? Good yeah, I do, with mine, I got a watering can. I watered all over the foliage. I soaked the ground. I moved it and, and I did that before and after and probably a week or two after as well. Yeah, And, and just don't over water yeah. it when you transplant it as well. And oh, cross your fingers. <laughs> yeah. And good luck with that, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, Let us know. The only thing at the moment that's sitting, uh, is growing underneath all our frangipanis. Is, is it doing any harm to... No, uh, I'd just trim it back. Oh, okay. Oh, just, that might be an idea then. Just yeah. cut it back. Just give it a nice trim after it's finished flowering. Give it a nice trim. It'll be lovely. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll do that rather than transplant it. I don't want to lose it. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. Good luck, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye for now. And we shall return. We're chatting with Wanda. It's 26 minutes after nine. You are with Ray and Faye and our special guest, Andrea Whiteley. And we are talking Easter inspiration as well. Meanwhile, we're heading to Huntingdale. Wanda, hi. Hi, good morning ladies, how morning. are you all today? Very, Very well. good, thanks. How can we help you, Wanda? Um, I have three beautiful tryptamine plants, um, all pink of course, because I'm a pink freak. Mm. There's FC Plane, Pink Lace and Minnenew. Now, I've discovered that um, all over the, pl- the three plants, there's little, little, like they've been clumped together by something like glued together and bits of dry. So I've broken the little clumps apart and there's a little worm in there or caterpillar, whatever you'd like to call it. It's minute, but something is there. Is that in the actual stems? Uh, in the, Yeah, exactly, along all the stems, yes. So are you getting swarf outside, you know, like the sawdust? Hmm. Sawdust uh, well, off the plant? Yes, like if... Something burrowing. If um, a moth has laid an egg and the larvae has burrowed into the stem, or or is it more on the outside? No, it's like, oh, how can I explain it? Like uh, clumping it together, but there are oh. a lot of dry, dry bits on there, of course, and that's how I thought, no, this doesn't look right, you know. Okay. When I... All right, I th- I think I understand, and I think I have seen um, something similar on some of the native plants in the bush, like where insects gather and they make a bit of webbing, like a gall, is it? Or no, is it, is it like a lump? No, I think the the insects are in eggs outside. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I I would love a photo wanderer that would make life a lot yeah. easier. Are you able to do that? 
I am able to do that, yes. All I right. can send that to you. That that um, would be great because that way I can, can get a look at it and be able to tell you exactly what we're dealing with instead of guessing. Yeah, because, you know, some of it, it looks like it has actually died off where they've okay. glued together with, you know. Um, so what's the best way to send the photo to you? Uh, email, if you like, Wanda. Have you got a pen handy? Yes, I have. Simply, it's gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Gardening at curtain yes. FM. C-U-R-T-I-N. Yes. C-U-R-T-I-N. Dot com uh, dot A-U. F-M dot com. I will do that straight away. Okay. Thank you for that. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you very, very much. Thanks, Wanda. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And let's head to Bentley. We have a soil question. Lynn, good morning. Good morning to you all. Hi, Lynn. Oh, I did get your message last night. Um, No, that's fine. No, that's okay. So would you like to tell everyone else what's happening in your garden, Lynn? Well, I think it's me. I don't think it's where I've bought anything from because they're from different places, but I've lost two beautiful camellias. Mm. When I say that, they haven't actually died, but they're just standing still. They're under um, like a weeping tree, so they've got, but yeah, they've got the light and they've got the water and everything. But I, I'm just wondering about the soil. So I went and got a manic, I think it's called a oh, manic or name like, yes. Um, in a soil test because I've also lost three honeygem gorevillias and it can't be where I got them from because it must be me. So I thought, well, it must be the soil. So where I did plant it, I had had fertilisers, rose fertilisers here, and I thought, well, maybe that's the problem. So I'm about to go and test all my soil, but... Where I lost my, my camellias, there are camellias growing there, so I can't understand why. So my question is, if there is a problem with the soil, because I've got my colour chart, I haven't done it yet, What? how do I improve it and what do I do? Well, camellia is like an acidic soil, so something mm. a little bit lower than seven, like around six. Potting mixes that are designed for camellias and azaleas will be... At, at that pH level. But even so, camellias tend to survive. It's not, they don't... I've got mine growing in front of a limestone wall. Yeah, well, really? this, this is the thing. Mm. So I wonder what else is going on, Lynn. And I think you've mm. got a lot of things happening in your garden and I just wonder, when you dug the hole for these camellias, what was the soil like? Was, did you have trouble because there were a lot of roots? No, no. It's, um, it's sandy mixed and there were a lot of worms because the lady before us every year religiously used to put, um, she used to get the sheep manure in. So um, I, I don't know. Um, I just don't have any luck with a honey gem. I've now brought another one um, and I'm going to plant it, but I don't quite know where to plant it because... I've discovered that if you plant uh, natives where you've had fertilisers... Lynn, I think you need to get someone out to your garden to have a look and 
like a garden consultant <laughs> because, mm. you know, I know you've had a couple of problems. I know Ez came and saw you and there might be, you know, it might be something little like the water might not quite be getting to them or there's trees coming in and taking All their the share nutrients. of yeah. the the moisture. And you know there are some trees which um, send out messages on their root systems like um, the Queensland box tree is a great example where they emit all these messages from their roots which stop other trees and plants from maturing around the base of them. Mm. So you know you could have really? that going on. There's lots of different things that could be happening. Mm. So in yeah, Bentley, so there's a lot of um, verge trees uh, that are that Queensland box tree. So you'll notice that a lot of people really struggle to grow things underneath on mm. their verges. Mm. Even lawn will struggle to grow underneath them. And it's partly due to the messages that are being sent out from the root system. So, um, you know, you could have any number of things happening. If, you're, if you haven't had luck with natives and you haven't had luck with camellias, it's they're two ends of the spectrum sure in terms are. of soil I'm just thinking that. Mm. So you also might be trying to, you know, when we design a garden, we always group plants together that have the same uh, water requirements and same mm. nutrient requirements so that you don't have these sorts of problems so that then you can easily fertilise all of those plants in that section with the same fertiliser or the same soil treatment. Um, whereas if you're, you've got some one section of the garden bed that has natives and one section of the garden bed that's got um, exotics, then it's you're always trying to battle against nature. You need to make life a little easier. Lynn, you're only in Bentley, which is obviously not far from here. One day after the show, I will pop over and have a look at your garden. Oh, thank you. Well, I have got a lot of established camellias and I've got yeah. beautiful grevilleas. Yeah. But for yep. some reason, and I've got not got much room left in my garden. No, that's right. <laughs> all right. That well, nice. all right. We'll be in touch. Oh, dear. Thank you for that, love. All right. Thanks, Good Lynn. on you, Lynn. Cheers. Thank you for your advice. Lovely. We okay. almost need, you really need it. Almost need to go to school to learn all about gas. Well, some of us have. <laughs> and we never stop learning, though, because they don't teach you everything at these schools. No, oh, my goodness. It's good to have the Saturday program because I've learnt so much, especially about bugs, because I used to poison everything. Oh, no, oh, don't do that. Uh, everything, I just use oil on everything, and it's fantastic. Okay. You know, fantastic. Take care, Lynn. Thanks, See you, Lynn. Bye. See you. Bye. And let's go to Mundaring. We're talking about she-oaks. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, girls. Hello, Margaret. How are you, Margaret? Very well, thank you. Now, very interesting comments um, with um, two good heads together and Anthea's um, suggestion about the Queensland box sending out messages. <laughs> Andrea. Andrea Whiteley. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Right. Um... I'm just wondering whether the she-oaks do something similar, but I was told many years ago that their needles do um, put out some growth repellent because um, I tried to improve the middle story because I've got a long driveway and the she-oaks had died and I tried to um, replace it with the 
plants that we got from the Mundaring tree canopy program for many years and nothing survived. Mm. No, and and absolutely the she-oak is another plant that does that. And you'll see that along the coast where, um, where you know, they've done plantings, um, where the councils have done plantings and where they've put in she-oaks around the base, a big circle around the base of those she-oaks where the needles drop, um, you'll notice that nothing Nothing. will grow underneath that. Mm. It's funny, though, because she-oaks, people will will say you look under she-oaks for native orchids, Mm. and up in Kings Park, they use the she-oak needles amongst their orchids, and that has... Uh, been recorded to help with the the germination or the um, yeah, yeah to help and, and in, in around the native orchids. In, absolutely, and and maybe that's one of the reasons why in nature mm. that's why those orchids occur. But for us to go in um, in a in an urban garden and try and plant things underneath, we're we're going to struggle. But in nature, mm. things will be happening under there that we. You know, we can't replicate in our gardens. One of the things that I found under my she-oaks, because when I learned about the, the orchids, I went went over to one that's growing next to our fire break and I started raking up some of these she-oaks. I was also pulling out the weeds. Weeds will grow everywhere. And next thing I find with the needles, a crisscross pattern, and it was round and it was in the shape of a lid. So when I raked... What happened was I lifted the top of a trapdoor spider mm. and it was about the size of a 20 cent piece. This little deep hole that went down it was just amazing. And that's why it's really important that we do rake and, and have a gentle approach to the garden rather than blow, blow, blow all the time. Um, because the if you were to blow that, you would have blown the lid off the, the trapdoor spider's house. Oh, it was stronger than that, Andrea. It was well, well You would have opened the door for sure. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have. I mean, it, it's a natural environment. Yeah. So normally I don't touch it, but I was gathering up some of these she-oak needles to throw into the compost because I thought that could help. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're quite acidic too. Mm. The she-oak needles are quite yep. acidic. So yeah. Yep. There you go, Margaret. Sorry, <laughs> Margaret. We didn't really shed very much light on that, but that's the way it is. It is. That's, it is. That's it. <laughs> you won't grow much got, underneath them. Now I've still got groups of she-oaks where there's just absolutely nothing. Mm. growing and um, it's just that I was trying to restore the middle story in the in the bush because I've got five acres of natural bush you know what put a lovely chair there but it, you put know, a seat we, and we, sit in the shade we also um, when we're creating gardens we look for different effects so that is one effect that is dramatic where you've got a tree with nothing underneath you know the spaces in between the trees give the eye a chance to rest Mm. and reflect and you know just having a little bit of space is not a bad thing we don't have to fill up every single spot also from a fire perspective not having something on the ground well she oaks are very high fuel Mm. very high fuel so but if you if you've got the canopy separated Mm. from the ground level Mm. as distinct from having like a wick with something else shrubby that's going to mm. light up and and light the top as Great well. Point. Yeah, yeah. I put it I put right. a nice bench seat underneath there. <laughs> Enjoy the shade. 
Yeah, so we can't grow anything basically. Not really. I, see, I, I need the she oaks because it attracts the red tail cockatoo. Yeah, that's their redeeming quality, I think. They love mm. the nuts and, yeah, and they're that's right. all talking together mm. while they're chewing. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Margaret, we have to go to a break, love. Thank you, girls. Thanks, okay, you cheers. Okay, we shall return. And we are back. I think that I will give away our next $75 gift voucher to Bigger Trees. Specialising in glorious frangipanis, ornamentals and fruit trees, Bigger Trees have fabulous new stock arriving each week, including those harder to find trees and plants. Now, I see they have lots of seed potato varieties arriving this week too, but Bigger have said do ask uh, and place an order uh, because a lot of them are in short supply, but seed potatoes are arriving of uh, different varieties. Uh, there's still a huge amount of colour on show up at Bigger. Treat yourself to a stroll through their gorgeous nursery. You can check out their online options at biggertrees.com.au and they have a great Facebook page as well. We should do an outside broadcast there one day, Faye. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That would yep. be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, wouldn't it? Yeah, just... okay. Uh, but... Faye is easily distracted. Faye is easily <laughs> distracted. What, you think you might go retailing oh, in the middle of the broadcast? Shiny. Well, <laughs> a variegated monstera walked past when I was giving a talk the other day. And, and I... you stopped speaking. Oh, no, yeah. I kept speaking oh. like, oh, wow, look at that. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> yes. FOMO again. Stop it. Mm. Okay. Now, not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Must be a Curtin FM member. Here is John's curly question. The world-famous Speedy Gonzalez was immortalised in Pat Boone's 1965 hit song. Speedy says he has to go shopping downtown for his mother. She needs some tortillas and what else? The world-famous Speedy Gonzalez was immortalised in Pat Boone's 1965 hit song, Speedy. Sorry, I'll start that again. It's the way it's written. Speedy says he has to go shopping downtown for his mother. She needs some tortillas. And what else does she need? Give Bev a call on 94841927. And that Bigger Tree $75 gift voucher will be on its way to you this week. 94841927. Okay. That's a big question. Oh, John. He just, yeah. Yeah. Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Now, where, where are we looking that up? Well, we've got a nice, uh, I'm looking at a list here of a big container planting that you've put Let together for us, you. Andrea. I'm so excited. Look, there's some beautiful plants in the garden centres at the moment and all mm. the nurseries and the growers have been particularly busy, I think, over the summer. And there's some beautiful plants available. And um, I just thought it might be a good idea to think of an Easter container. Yes. So something that's really beautiful that reflects that chocolate colour, maybe. <laughs> so that you good can thinking. you can but you can look at it but you can't eat it. Mm. <laughs> so um, as the thriller there's a beautiful quarter line that's in all the garden centres at the moment called Salsa. And that's beautiful, deep, burgundy, almost brown. Mm. So that's your thriller. 
Yes. Then one of the um, fillers is Cosmos Chocoholic. Beautiful. <laughs> with the beautiful green, Love it. soft foliage and movement. Good. Mm. So you're going to get yeah. tall stems with um, that Little lovely daisy-like chocolate-coloured flower. Mm. And then on the other side, you can pop in a Hebe, and that's called Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And that has the new growth is brown. So it's green with beautiful brown leaves. That's just lovely. Not burnt brown leaves, beautiful, deep burgundy brown leaves. <laughs> Not summer brown. And then you can pop in at the front of the container a little penicetum called Little Red um, little red Robin, I think it's called. Um, and that eventually will grow to about 75 centimetres, but you'll just let it sort of flop out at the front of your Do lovely container. So there are four plants to go in. So there's two fillers, one thriller and one spiller. So the penicetum, that's a grass. Grass, oh. yeah. I haven't seen a lot of grasses in nursery. Oh, they're, they're out and about. And some of the growers, some of the really good growers in Perth are introducing more and more lovely grasses. Like there's Carex Feather Falls, which I use a lot now. It's beautiful. I, I have It is that. such a good plant and it does well in the shade, mm-hmm. does well in the sun, dappled light. It's a beautiful plant. So if you can find Carex Feather Falls, it's, it's a lovely a one. Lovely lime green with a variegations through it. It's super pretty and tough as tough. It'll survive with hardly any water and then you water it again and up she comes. That's beautiful in a container too. So how big does the penicetum grow? Well, it will grow to 75 centimetres, mm. but if you're growing it in a container, mm-hmm. you're just going to enjoy it for the life of that container. Yeah. So we need to think more about our containers not being change changed your out. Yeah, so mm. you can keep your thriller yeah. and then change things out as they yeah. grow and get yeah. too big for the container. Because this Put happens, doesn't it? Mix. Oh, mm. yeah, definitely. Mm. And that not that the joy? Like, especially if you live in a small garden uh, like I do, um, changing out the containers and, and refreshing them with new potting oh, mix yes. and bringing in new plants. It gives us projects. That gives me a project. I All the that. time. I yeah. love doing that. Now, we do have a winter winner. Sorry. For our competition, $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. Anthony from Bentley. Good on you, Anthony. The question was, the world's famous Speedy Gonzalez was immortalised in Pat Burns' 1965 hit song. Speedy says he has to go shopping downtown for his mother. She needs some tortillas and she needs some chilli peppers. That is the answer. So good on you, Anthony. That voucher from Bigger Trees is on its way to you this week. Do let us know what you do with it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be exciting. Yeah, it always $75 is. $75 will go a long way. You can it does have a bigger trees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, something I did want to talk about just quickly is um, some pests that I've noticed um, while I've been out and about in other people's gardens this week mm. um, is on canners, like the can- a lot of the canners have finished flowering. So you'll want to come in and trim them. And at the base of the canners, there, it always occurs at the end of the season. I think it's so, because the plant is starting to, to die back a little bit. It's had its summer flush of flowers. Um, there's a lot of scale, like black scale, really? um, around the base of them. So uh, if you see that, then I've just been hitting it, cutting the plants back, trimming them, um, getting rid of all the, the manky leaves, so the dried up leaves around the base because they're doing their job, the scale. They're munching all the d- dried up leaves that are on the bottom. Um, of the old canners so if you've got canners go around and have a look at them give them a trim back cut back the flowers cut back the manky leaves and give them a spray with a 
Eco Oil. And another pest that's around at the problem is caterpillars. Oh, uh, yeah. munching and, and on grasshoppers. Well, what I was going to say about the caterpillars, if you see wasps swarming around your lawn, there is a particular wasp at the moment that's got metallic blue-black uh, wings and pinkish eyes with a reddish body. Are you talking about army worm? Yes. Yeah. Ar- army worm, cut worm. And mm. this wasp lays its egg into the larva, which are in the ground. So if you do Don't see... kill the wasp. No, yeah. absolutely but not. But if you see so, wasps, there's a good... It's a signal. It yeah. is. So and March, I, April is the time for mm, army worm sure in is. the lawn. It sure so, is. Yeah. If you see willy wagtails around too, I've got mm. a resident willy wagtail at my new lawn area and I was watching it. it it's hunting for moths yeah. as they come out and it'll go along flap its wings, disturb the moth and then pick it up. And then yesterday were these wasps out there. The I'm going to love you and leave yeah, you. you have to go. I, I will head off when we go to the break and I will be back next week. All right. Well, we'll go to the break. And when we return, we're chatting with John in Salter Point. So thank you, Faye. And, My pleasure. Uh, we'll catch you next week. All right, love. Curtain Radio in you're with Ray and Andrea for the remaining seven minutes of the gardening program. And the garden show today was sponsored by Garden in a Bag. Free delivery and a free bag of your product when buying six bags or more. All right, we're heading straight out to the lines. We are in Salter Point just around the corner. John, good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, look, I'm not an avid gardener. I'm just uh, the messenger. My wife sent me out to get a golden privet. And I can't find them in any of the, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, establishments. Mm-hmm. And you probably won't, John. Um, they don't really, you don't see them very much in West Australian gardens. Um, and uh, they don't really grow very well here. Um, they, I'm from Melbourne originally and we had them in, um, we had them at one of the homes where we lived and it was, uh, it's one of my least favourite plants because it gives, uh, very bad allergens for people who have hay fever and has a very strong scent with a, and it gives you a very bad headache if you are that way inclined. So I would never right. recommend it in terms of um, putting it into any of the gardens that I design. But that's not to say you, you can't get it or you can't plant it for sure. But there's a lot better options, particularly in Salter Point, for a hedge. How tall do you want the hedge to be? Oh, it's just, just uh, against the fence for um, uh, what For privacy? Uh, Privacy, yeah. So you could go with the Marea, which um, is Marea Pinculata, M-U-R-R-A-Y-A. So it's not, it yes. doesn't have yellow leaves like the golden privet. It has green leaves with tiny white flowers. Um, that right. would do well. That's a very attractive hedge. That'll grow probably to about three metres and then it will stop. Um, doesn't require, yes. if you trim it all the way through its life, it'll be nice and thick and not have too many gaps. If you want a bigger right. leaf, you could go with the Radamachera Summer Scent, R-A-D-E-R, Rada, M-A-C-H-E-R-A, Radamachera yeah. Summer Radamachera. Scent. yes. Uh, that's a great one. That has slightly larger leaves and it has a beautiful, very pale, almost white 
pink um, bell-shaped flower that is also and that'll grow to three meters it needs no pruning just a little bit at the end of the summer perhaps when it's finished flowering just to tidy it but uh, it'll grow to three meters and then it will stop and so it's a super easy care um, hedge and give you great privacy so uh, it's Radha 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 Machera R-A-D-E-R-M-A-C-H-E-R-A a summer scent in most nurseries every single garden center will have that at the moment because it's in and, flower. And do they grow fairly quickly? Very or? quickly. They'll grow a metre a year and then stop. Okay. After three years. Hey, look, thanks yeah. very much. Yeah, Thank give them plenty okay. of water to start with. Either of those two would be great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Good Bye. on you, John. And Thank you. Bye. What's the Duranta I have at home? It's the light yellow. The geisha girl? It, well, it is it is a geisha girl, but it's the lime, lemon lime. Oh, Some, okay, um, yeah. It's, it's, Faye will be driving along going, I know, I know. <laughs> it's one of her favourite hedges. I know. I just can't can't get it at the moment. All right, let's head to Double View. Rona, hi. Oh, good morning. Um, I've just got a query about pruning my blueberry bushes. Okay. Have they finished flowering? Uh, finished fruiting, I should say, right? Yes, yes. There's just the odd little one on now, okay. you know. But yeah. Have you got them in a pot or in the ground? In a, in pots. In pots. Fantastic. All right. So it's a great time now to top up those pots with a bit of a uh, bit more um, potting mix, and you can use azalea and camellia potting mix. Uh, yeah. That's what they need because um, they like an acidic mix. And then you can give them a trim by, um, now that the weather's cooling down, by about a third. Oh, right. So give them a trim just to tidy them up by about yeah. a third. Yeah. Just wait till the weather is nice and cool um, and yeah. then they'll really benefit from that. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Oh. I always love your program. Thanks, That's Rona. great. Have a great morning. Take care, love. You too. Thank you. Bye. Now, we did get an email from our listener earlier about the pest issue. On uh, So the, a lady rang in about her thryptamine yeah. um, plants, which is a native plant, yeah. very pretty. Um, yeah. The new growth has lovely sort of ferny-like leaves, I guess, yeah. um, long stems with little tiny weeny leaves over them, and uh, something is eating it. Um, I would tend to... Um, cut them off, um, the affected branches off, and just bag them and um, put them in the bin. Don't put them in the compost rather than spray. Um, just uh, remove them would be the best option, I think, and it'll just sort of shake the plant a bit more. I would not be spraying them because you risk killing the plant. Mm-hmm. So I would just uh, cut them off, use some secateurs. They're very fine leaves. Uh, just trim, give them a trim and um, put them in the bin, I would say, in a in a bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you for that. Now, is there anything you would like to add to today's program whilst we do a wind-up? Um, it is time now to cut back your hydrangeas. If you haven't deadheaded them, it's a good time to cut them back and um, reshape them because they'll only flower on the new wood. Yeah. So next year, so you're almost preparing them for next year. It's a great time to get your head stuck into some catalogues and uh, start buying some bulbs. Um, And there's some really 
great West Australian bulb suppliers. There are. So let's support West Australian uh, growers and uh, place your orders now. I know a friend of mine, um, Wayne, has uh, placed his order this week, so I'll be excited to be planting them for him. And um, so he's gone for some hyacinths and some quite unusual miniature daffodils. So don't yeah. just go for the, the ordinary ones. Try yeah, something get creative. different. Yeah, yeah. There's and there's some... a lot of different options out really there. really are. And daffodils do really well in Perth. Mm. Um, and they're gorgeous. They're lovely to herald spring with some of those new new bulbs. And now's the time to buy them, get them delivered get them to you ready. and pop them into the ground. Yeah, mm. let's get, get going. And you can plant over the top of them uh, where you know they're going to be popping out of some things like some annual cyclism and violas and things like that so that you've got some cover uh, protecting Meanwhile, the bulbs in yeah. the meantime and then you'll see the bulbs emerging. They'll be just Come gorgeous. Through. Yeah, yeah I have had my head in a, a bulb catalogue in yeah. the last week. It's I have very tempting, isn't it? It really yeah. is, yes, so, yes. Like the Americans get excited about seed catalogues right now, we're getting excited about our bulb, bulb catalogues. catalogues. So and are you a, yeah. will you, do you put bulbs in the ground or into Always pots? in pots. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah, always yeah, in pots. Yeah, I think it can be, you've got to be very careful putting bulbs in the ground. Yes, mm. yeah, no, I'd uh, avoid that. But yeah, yeah, definitely in pots, get out and have a look over them. Um, and it's a great time to be planting broccoli, Chinese cabbage, lettuce, beetroot, rhubarb, uh, spinach, parsley, and it is the absolutely the right time to be planting coriander. Okay. Um, because coriander Love tends it. to bolt uh, yeah, in our hot heat. summers. Yeah. And now you can pop in the slow bolt coriander so you can enjoy beautiful Vietnamese soups all through the winter with yeah. your coriander on the top. Oh, I love, love, love. Thank you for coming in. Oh, you're very welcome, and, always. And, and covering that little gap, the Fay gap, uh, <laughs> for the last 10 minutes. Thank you very, very much. And all, you know, for the inspiration that you've departed this morning. I try. I try to get yeah. little flits of inspiration. We love it. We love <laughs> it. And uh, all right, so thanking Bev Daring, John Glidden, of course, Faye Caro. My gardenism for the morning is wilderness is not a luxury but a necessity of the human spirit. Classic 70s is next with our boy Jim Crinan sitting there very, very patiently. Look after yourselves, everyone, and happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.